Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alexander Chester, and I'm really getting sick of you. I hope I don't see you for a while. And I'm Avsinensky, and my heart! Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 4, Episode 7, The Surrogate, which originally aired on February 15th, 2004. Av, you're not carrying anyone else's children today, are you? Um, not that I'm aware of, but I haven't been to the doctor recently. Okay. Well, uh, mine is in the room, but he's sleeping right now. So uh, let's get started and see if we can uh, wrap this up before he wakes up. Okay. Let's do it. We are at home with Larry and Cheryl. They're in bed watching the puffy shirt episode of Seinfeld, and he congratulates himself on a good show. Uh, The the phone rings, and it's Marilyn, their friend, who apparently calls after every episode airs every single night to, you know, discuss the episode and break it down with them. Now, first of Uh, all, does this mean that Larry is watching Seinfeld on syndication every single night? It sounds like it. It sounds like this has been going on for some time that, you know, they watch the show. Marilyn watches the show at her house, and she calls to say, oh, Seinfeld is a good show. Yeah. Now, we've already established there's only one channel in L.A. Everyone sees Andy Portico's movie reviews. Of course, everyone watches Seinfeld and syndication. Everyone in LA, including Larry yeah. and Gerald. I mean, this weird. One, this one might actually be correct. I mean, Seinfeld is on all, all that was at least back then. Like Seinfeld was on like multiple channels at all times of night. So like, yeah. But if you're Larry, why are you watching it every night? You've seen these episodes many times, I assume. Yeah, it's. Do you uh, not watch when it's like a later season when you weren't on the show? Maybe. Yeah, he probably doesn't. Need, yeah. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's like many episodes of Seinfeld that Larry David has never seen even once. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like he watches it every night from uh, what we see. Well, here. after he left the show, he's probably like, well, I want to watch this some stupid show that I have nothing to do with. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, Cheryl tells her that Larry is unavailable. She asks Larry what he's up to tomorrow, and he says that he has his physical for the producers. And she asks if he can pick up a gift for the Duesenberry's baby shower from the Toy Story, which is nearby. Uh, Larry's surprised that he's being trusted with something like that. Yeah. Cheryl says, you know, you can just get a doll. It's not so hard. Um, and Larry asks, well, what about the surrogate? Are we getting anything for her? Um, Cheryl says doesn't, it doesn't seem necessary to her uh, since, uh, you know, it's a baby shower for the Duesenberries, not for the surrogate. Larry's not so sure. He doesn't know what surrogate etiquette is. And he figures that since she's the one having the baby, she's also entitled to a gift of some sort. Yeah. It, first of all, it is impossible for me to believe that Cheryl wouldn't trust Larry with this decision. Like, obviously, something's going to go wrong. If it's um, for if it's for like somebody who's only Larry's friend and Cheryl doesn't care, that's one thing. But it just it's very surprising. Like Larry's right. I can't believe that Cheryl's entrusting him here. 
Well, if not for the surrogate of it, the, um, there wouldn't have been an issue. I mean, he would have just, I mean, yeah. He, well, he been, bought he the would, mulatto doll. Yeah, he would have still said the stupid comment at the party, but meaning yeah. he's perfectly capable of going to a store and buying a, a doll, I would think, uh, which he did successfully. By the way, a doll is a little bit of a weird gift, I think, for like a baby shower. But Yeah, you know. I think that, I would think that a baby, I don't know. I've never it's something that's shower. useful. <laughs> yeah, but it's also usually, right, it's usually more, I would think more like mother guided than baby guided for the shower but also like, like it, this baby won't be able to use a doll for like at least a year right it's yeah. very yeah and by like the way when, the other thing is the Dusenbergs. it's weird that they bring the surrogate to the party but then she's not like participate like she shouldn't have been at the party probably if it's a party just for them and then sure then you know you don't have to give her a gift but if she's at the party it seems weird that everybody didn't give her a gift i mean the Dusenbergs should be giving her a gift most of all thank you so much to this woman who's allowing us to bring our child into the world so i would say that the sur- the Dusenbergs are guilty of the worst surrogate etiquette here yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know what the rules are. I only know one person who had, or at least that I'm aware of, that had a child using a surrogate, and they didn't tell anybody about it until after, like, they had the baby. Yeah, like, the I, baby I have born. a family member who has been a surrogate, and oh, okay. I don't think she was invited to the personal parties of the people whose child she was having. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, every obviously everybody's different, but I, my suspicion is that most people are, like, are not, like, looking to, like, play up the role of a surrogate. Yeah, um, she, you don't feature her at the party. Generally not. Um, yeah. Not that not that, there's a, not that there's a reason not to. I just feel like that's most. No, ju- it's 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 for her benefit. It's awkward for yeah. her. Here's here's all the friend. Here's a bunch of people celebrating a baby that uh, is not going to be mine. It, which yeah. exactly what happens is the reason <laughs> that you don't bring her to the party. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so Cheryl tries to make a move on Larry, but he reminds her that he's not ready to go because the dog bit his penis and she's a little bummed out. <laughs> So we uh, it's the next day and Larry's at the hospital uh, waiting to be seen by the doctor for his physical. He's shuffling through some of the magazines in the waiting room. He gets called in and he mentions to the receptionist that the magazine collection can use some work. Uh, he labels this as an observation, not a complaint. Uh, he goes in to see the doctor and he's on the treadmill doing some tests. Uh, he's still going on and on about the magazines, how frivolous they are. The doctor doesn't seem very amused. Um, at this moment, a, an attractive young nurse who will learn his name, Renee, enters the room and Larry's heart starts accelerating, which concerns the doctor. And as a result, he says, I can't sign off that you have a clean bill of health. Larry reassures him that he's fine. You know, I guess he doesn't want to explain what happened for some reason. Oh, I guess it's maybe because she's in the room. She's in the room. Maybe can't because, because she's there. Because we'll learn in the next scene that it's Richard's girlfriend. He'll tell Richard yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I mean, she's I, right there. I guess, but like, I don't, I don't see why, you know, the Larry that we know, I don't see would have any problem saying, doctor, I'm fine, but a beautiful woman just walked into the room. Look at her. She's beautiful. Why do you, you know, I'm surprised you're not having, you know, a similar reaction. Like, so. Yeah. So maybe he doesn't want to say it in front of her because she's Richard's girlfriend, but yeah. he has no problem telling sure. it to her. Yeah. By the way, can we go back for one second to the waiting yeah. room? So, you know, obviously Larry has to have an issue in a waiting room because he always does. <laughs> right. It's, it's incredible how dated this scene is like 20 years ago. Absolutely. You looked forward to reading the magazines in medical room in waiting rooms. Like, I remember that, you know, like I, you know, you'd always enjoy you go through like the sports illustrated or whatever they have there. And it would be a real bummer if you were in a crappy waiting room of a doctor's office that had nothing you wanted to read. You know, you'd have to be stuck with like an old people magazine or something. But nowadays it is impossible to understand this because you have the whole world in your pocket on your phone. And like you would never look at a magazine in a waiting room. It's crazy. Yeah, I would never look at a magazine. Um, I'm sure there are older people that. that but still, now you wouldn't. But in 2003, you would. Right. Yeah. 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 What unless I, you, you know, there? unless I was like, you know, had the foresight to like bring a book with me or something like Hold that. On, you brought books with you when you went to doctor's offices. I mean, I or the often, dentist. then where did you put it while you're getting treated? Well, I often have a backpack that is filled with stuff such mm. as 
my phone, a book, you know, snacks. Um, snacks. What did we know from snacks? Well, meaning if I, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if I was, you know, doing going out for the day, and one of my appointments included going to a doctor, then you know, I have stuff with mm. me that I have for the mm. day. And, you know, I might have a book. If I sat mm. on the subway, right. whenever I was had did my, to entertain myself on the subway, I could continue doing. Yeah, to me, part office. of the appeal of the doctor's office is, oh, here I get to read something that I wouldn't ordinarily read. I can read my book anywhere. Yeah, that's right. not an appeal of a doctor's office. I don't know that, frankly, there are any appeals to a doctor's office, but, you know, I certainly am not like, oh, I can't wait to get to the doctor so I can read some magazines that I haven't been exposed to, <laughs> like Good Housekeeping or whatever. They Cigar have. aficionado. Yeah, you know, I mean, his point is right. They always have the dumbest magazines there. I guess they're just probably trying Depends to go for, like, most of them, I think, just, like, have, like, very, like, benign things that, like, you know, you're not going to get, like, anything that's remotely prone to, like, be controversial well except in seinfeld where they have yes (laughs) Yes, of course um yeah so um that larry explains that he's fine but the doctor says you know it's not a big deal you just have to wear this uh heart monitor for 24 hours and after that we can evaluate that and we'll see if there's really a problem by the way just out of curiosity shouldn't they have done this like insurance medical check um, for the play before they cast the person? I don't know. Yeah, you probably shouldn't wait till three weeks before because, yeah, yeah, right. Like, what, And also, it's like, what is what exactly are they... I, I, I guess I don't... Yeah, I don't know that you... I didn't know that you needed it's like clear health process to like be at a show. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but I do love the fact that Mel has to personally come collect the medical records for the insurance purposes. <laughs> like, like, Mel Brooks is personally responsible for this aspect of the show. He, well, he yeah. only shows up once in a while, but only for the important things. Like, give me the yeah. medical records for your insurance. His, his two jobs were writing the show, yeah, and that he's in charge of all of insurance paperwork. Yes, exactly. <laughs> also, in that same scene, I love and you know, Schwimmer is so desperate to impress. He's like bragging about how well he did on the medical yeah. test. Like, who are you, Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah, right. You're also, right. You're, you're like 35. Yeah. The other guy's 75. Shouldn't like, this be down. like a, a complete technicality? Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, Larry uh, proceeds with his de- with his day. He's having uh, lunch with Richard, and here's where we learn that Richard is dating Renee, and he's telling Larry about how he's never dated a black girl before. Larry says he has twice. Um, and well, Richard, he's, cons- he's, he slept with a black girl twice. Uh, well, I think they they're because because they- then Richard says the same girl twice or two different women, and then and then Larry says two different women, and then Richard right. says at the same time. <laughs> Larry's like, who the hell do you think I am? Right. It's like it'll be it'll be it'll be some story if I I never slept with a black girl in, in my entire life, except this one time that I slept with two black girls. Yeah, together. And I've never told you before. Right. I, we just I just went to a, a threesome yeah. with two black girls and then never before or after forgot to mention it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Richard's concern is that he once recently went into a locker room at a Knicks game and he saw one of the forwards in there. Naked yeah, by the way, and, what a flex by Richard, you know, to say hi to my friends, he says. Yeah. Um, also, no one and, talks like that. No one refers to players. No one refers to a player as one of the forwards. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely not. Can we speculate um, on who was it? Was it Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley? Um, Anthony Mason probably had a very large penis. <laughs> I guess. Now we have a we had a friend in high school. Yes, who had a I was going yeah. to bring this up. Yeah. Um, About, yeah, I he think, went into the Knicks locker room and he saw something similar. Yeah, I but think it was, it, was, it was from one of the centers. Yeah, it was Patrick Ewing, I believe. Yeah. He said yeah. he claims that he saw his penis tied in a knot or something like that. It's, or... the, it's the dumbest, obviously made up story in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the allegation was that Patrick Ewing's penis was so long that he had to wrap it because he couldn't wear shorts of his. Right. Uniform. Otherwise, it, it would stick out the bottom. It's the dumbest story of all time. Like Patrick Ewing does not have a four foot long penis. It's completely idiotic. Yeah. You imagine like you're watching the game and all of a sudden like you see like his penis like <laughs> drop out from the bottom. Maybe, of his you shorts. know how they went from like short shorts to long shorts in the 90s. Maybe it's because of Patrick Ewing and his penis. Yeah. yeah, they needed to. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, I've seen Patrick Ewing in his Georgetown uniform, and uh, those were very short shorts. So yeah, yeah. so uh, nothing was tied around his leg. <laughs> Richard says his penis is was so big you could put out the Chicago Fire with it, mm-hmm. and basically Richard's worried that he's not going to be able to compare with what Ridday is used to seeing down there. Yeah. Uh, Larry immediately objects. You can't go based on a forward. Forwards yeah. are humongous people. You have yeah. to go based on a guard. Now, guards are also fairly humongous people, generally. I mean, you're still talking about someone who's, what, on average, I don't know, 6'3", 6'4", over 200 pounds. Like, these are still very large people that should not be compared to someone like Richard Lewis. Um, in any a, event. A guard, an NBA guard, you're saying. Yeah, an NBA yeah. guard is not like the, an average black person. That's, yeah. you know, a very large, yes. you know, out, you know top 99th yes. percentile Yes. Black person. Yes. Well, person. Um, I don't think I need to bring race, but yes. <laughs> well, meaning even no, no, though, I know, I know, I know. Meaning even know. in the world where we're saying black people versus yes. white people, we're talking yeah. about yeah. the 99th percentile. It, it, athletes in extremely good physical condition who are also, yeah. yeah, on average, you know, 6'4", whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I do love, though, how we talk about NBA players and we talk about somebody being so tiny when they're like six foot three, when they'd be like taller than 99% of people you meet on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like if you go based on like Jewish uh, basketball, yeah. where a center is like six one, and a guard is like five eight. Then, but like, you know. like John Stockton, for example, was talked about as like you know like as such a he was six foot two. If you met John Stockton, you'd be like, oh, that's a very large man, right? Yeah. Um, Larry suggests that if uh, if Richard is uncomfortable, then maybe Larry could go forward with it because he still has his tenth anniversary gift on the table. Um, Richard is like, frankly, offended by this. He's like, what, what you're, you're saying, like, if I, this doesn't work out with me, between me and her, then you're going to sleep with her. I've never heard of like friends doing anything like that. No, he's offering a chart. He's going to sleep with her first. <laughs> oh, he's going to sleep with her first. Yeah. He says, let uh, me try her out, see how it is. And then I'll let uh, you know. If she's okay with my penis, she'll probably yeah. be fine with yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, so Richard seems not really following because he says he'd sooner get Larry a bowl as his gift. But like Larry wasn't saying that this would be Richard's gift. He's saying that the 10th anniversary gift is Cheryl's gift, right? Yeah. Or unless he's well, saying no, it's both. He's saying, it, Cheryl's gift is I can sleep with someone. Your, your gift, gift is that is I can that sleep with Renee. your incredibly attractive girlfriend. Right. Okay, fine. I guess that works. I will say Renee is the most attractive person we've seen on the show so far. Um, That might be right. She is very attractive. She's gorgeous. Yes. Um, I can't, uh, I, you know, I don't have a, uh, a list of everyone that we've seen so far, but that sounds right. Um, certainly she's more attractive when you, you know, incorporate her personality than some of Richard's other girlfriends that we've seen who may have been attractive on the outside, but very hollow and dark on the inside. Yeah, she seems to be a good person for the most part. Yeah. Um, so um, Larry and Richard, you know, say their goodbyes outside the restaurant and Larry sees a man standing uh by the valet station that he assumes is one of the workers there. And he well, hold on. He, he's wearing a vest, like a well, bright. Co- yes. Yeah. We're gonna get into, we'll get into, we'll get into the dispute, but yeah, yeah. But, but yes, pretty much. Um, yeah. The man is wearing a, uh, a red tie and a black vest and he's standing like exactly where a valet person would be standing in this situation. So it's, it's, you know, I agree completely. And why is he wearing a three piece suit in the middle of the day? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and he says, you know, I don't work here. And he accuses Larry of being racist and that the only, uh, he only assumed that he's a valet guy because he's black. Uh, Larry apologizes, but of course, Wanda is standing right there, ready to pounce course, on, yes. on Larry's uh, racist acts. Uh, Larry explains, you know, he's wearing a vest. He's saying by the side, it was an honest mistake. And if he was white, he would have done the same thing. Um, she says, no, if he was white, you would have asked him for a stock tip or talked to him about golf instead. <laughs> yeah, like I think Larry would go up to a stranger, stay on the outside of the restaurant and ask him for a stock. He tip. is looking for uh, uh, golf tips, though. Yeah. That's Although he did get the weatherman's tip, to be fair. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Larry wants to know how her filming is going for, I guess she's working on a show or something. She says it's fine. Um, he then steers the conversation to Peter's eyes, asking her, uh, he's like, well, I know you've been with a lot of men of all different types. Yeah. Um, is there any... Spoiler alert, by the way, she's gay, but we don't know that yet. Right. Um, he wants to know, is there any discernible difference between white and black men from your experience? She refuses to answer. Uh, she then asks him about some script that she gave him to pass along to some guy they know. Uh, he confirms he gave it to him, but there's no update so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, she walks away, and as she does, Larry starts mocking her, yelling out repeatedly, is there a black man who wants to take my valet ticket? Yeah, by the way, Larry screaming this racist stuff about black guys, like, even as a joke, seems very risky, especially considering what happened to him last time. I just don't understand. Like, th- this is a very bad joke for Larry to be making here. He's asking yeah. for trouble. Yeah, yeah, he's often asking for trouble. Yeah. Uh, and he will often find trouble as a result yeah. of his asking. But, like, Larry uh, has a history of, of saying racist things that he doesn't mean and then, then backfiring him, like, with the judge and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That judge thing, I still – that was, like, a very weird thing to say. Mm. Um, okay. So uh, Larry heads over to the toy store. Uh, he's looking at the dolls. He, there's only one left. He asks the saleswoman, who is played by Melissa McCarthy many, many years ago, mm. uh, what race the doll is. And she says it's biracial. Yeah. Larry's surprised that they make a doll specifically for the kids of Nick race couples, but he says, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. By the way, um, can I ask a question? How did Cheryl know that there was a toy store here right next to Larry's doctor's office? Like, why did she know where Larry's doctor's office was? Why would she know where a toy store is? She doesn't have kids. Like, how often is she buying toys? Very strange. Um, yeah. Well, he's at, is he at the doctor's office? Or it seems like more like he's at the hospital, right? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Like the yeah. so, like when they keep showing it from the outside, it looks more like a hospital. I'm not sure. I guess it could be one of those just like, yeah. you know, those medical buildings that have a lot of medical practices. It's also, it's also a weird like toy store because at first we see the doll section, which is completely run down. And it looks like this is a completely raggedy ghetto, like very low quality um, toy store. But then the rest of the store seems to be pretty normal. So apparently the dolls are completely out, but everything else is totally fine. There was a doll shortage in L.A. Right. Um, okay, so we head over to the shower. Everyone, you know, everyone's opening gifts. Larry walks in with his two gifts. Um, everyone's having a very nice time. Cheryl sees the heart monitor is very worried, but Larry assures her, you know, it's fine. It's just like a precautionary thing. Um, Larry tells Cheryl that he thinks that Bernie Dusenberry, who we see only for a split second, looks like Steve DeMarco, who I Googled, it turns out, is a pro wrestler. Um, a very, very... Uh, Strange reference. Strange Larry, reference. And even yeah. stranger for him to think that Cheryl will know who that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not like this guy's not well known at all. So I don't know what, why. Yeah. I don't know why they thought to reference this here. Uh, but anyway, Cheryl doesn't see it. Larry complains that Cheryl never agrees with his uh, lookalike calls. And she explains that's because they're always terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time for to open the David's gift. And everyone is uh, nodding along approvingly at the very nice, cute doll that he bought. Not, a, not a great gift, by the way. I disagree. Yeah, but whatever. It's fine enough. It's every, it's perfectly fine for everyone to say, oh, very nice. Ah, ha, ha. Okay, move on to the next gift. Like, no yeah. one cares. Okay. Um, and Larry exclaims that it's a mulatto. <laughs> and the crowd falls silent. Betty explains that the preferred nomenclature is biracial, which Larry didn't really know. And he says, point well taken, I guess. Yeah. Um, Betty's about to open the second gift, but Larry explains, actually, that's for the surrogate. Um. After, you know, this, uh, you know, the get together breaks up a little and Larry goes over to speak to the surrogate. (coughs) Um, She's very thankful since nobody else thought of her. 
She asks Larry what he does for a living, and he says he's a writer, which is good, except it could sometimes be annoying. For example, I have this friend. She just gave me a script to give to somebody, and she said, don't let them touch my baby. You know, that's what they do. You work on something for months and months, and they take it away from you, and that's it. You never see it again. They Mm -hmm. take your baby from you. They Mm -hmm. give your baby back to somebody else, and that's it. You've lost complete contact with your baby. You never see the baby again, and it's your baby. And they give it to another writer. And that writer doesn't let you even look at the baby. Um, I've always thought, like, this baby talk is a bit too on the nose. Like, the scene would have been more effective, I think, if Larry was a bit more subtle. Yeah, I mean, all he needs to do, all you could have the same exact conversation, just, like, don't refer to it as baby. Just yeah. like, and she could still pick up the concept. But here, because it's just, there's no way that Larry would be unaware of what he's saying. It's just, it's too on the nose, I think. Yeah, just say, it's like, don't let them take my project. You know, they yeah. take the project. You yeah. never get to see it again. It's your project. And like, now, now she it. did, Wanda did refer to it as her baby once, yes. you know, as foreshadowing. But, yeah, but Larry really is going on, and he says the word baby, like, 12 times. Yeah, maybe she should, she should, he should just, like, when he introduces it, say, like, she said, don't let them touch my baby. And then from yeah. then on, he could yeah. just refer Something to it more like vaguely. That. So that way, like, the, like, kind of, like, it impresses the, the point a little bit. But then, yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's way too over the top, the fact that he says baby every third word. Um, so, yeah, she uh, she clearly has a very uh, disgruntled look on her face and uh, starting to maybe reconsider. So Larry uh, continues on with his day. He heads over to practice and him and Schwimmer are rehearsing as Mel looks on very pleased. Uh, but he's a little worried because Larry seems to still be working off the book and wants to know if Larry's learned all his lines yet. Uh, Schwimmer is also concerned because they open in three weeks, but Larry says he'll be fine. He's just having trouble memorizing some of the lines. Uh, Mel asks about the uh, results of the physicals that they both have to take. Schwimmer says his is clean, but Larry explains, oh, well, you know, I have this whole situation with the monitor, you know, the attractive woman came in, but he assures Mel it's going to be fine. Uh, Schwimmer starts piling on, wondering maybe Larry's too old to be uh, to be in the producers. Uh, Larry challenges him to a race to show that he's fine. Yeah, I assume he will later choose not to run if, uh, yeah. if the race is actually held. Speaking of um, races, by the way, did you see uh, Mel Brooks at 94 uh, endorsed a political candidate in a race for the first time ever yesterday? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I, I didn't know which direction you were going in with speaking oh. of race there. Yeah, there's the, a lot uh, of ways I could have gone. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm convinced now. Uh, uh, I just find it, I find it hard to believe that he had, ne- he had never been political in 94 years. Like nothing has ever happened important in his life in the last 94 years until Trump is running for re-election. Well, maybe he just like never formally endorsed the presidential candidate. As opposed to like never been involved. I'm sure he's like given money to political candidates before. Yeah. There's no way he has it. Yeah. In fact, we can find out. We just have to like Google yeah. his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, Schwimmer's dad comes in for some reason. He came to visit. Um, I guess he wanted to meet Mel Brooks. Uh, so uh, he introduces them. Uh, the dad gushes over what a big fan he is. Um when Mel walks away, he uh, kind of like reluctantly introduces him to Larry and they have a very cold exchange. The dad then leaves and Larry basically confronts Schwimmer's like, what the hell? Like, clearly you told your dad about the whole cashew raisin thing because he didn't give me the time of day. And Schwimmer's like, yeah, of course I told him uh, because like you told me you wanted me to pass on your constructive criticism to him. Um, anyway, Larry's like, listen, I don't want there to be any bad blood between us. Like, give me his number. Let me call him and apologize. Schwimmer is uh, reluctant at first, but I guess he, you know, Larry's like, trust me, I'm going to be very nice to your father. I'm not going to do anything wrong. So Larry is uh, driving home and he decides he's going to call Schwimmer's dad. So he pulls over to the side 
as he starts leaving a message. But as the toad is about to rig, he gets rear-ended by somebody else, and he screams into the phone, you fucking asshole, what's your fucking problem, you prick? And unfortunately, that's what goes out as a message with Larry not realizing. Uh, Larry gets out of the car to confront this other man who is clearly insane. He starts coming at Larry with a crowbar, threatening to hit him with it. But Larry did nothing wrong other than object uh, his car getting hit by this guy. Yeah. Um, Larry starts panicking, realizing that he's about to get hurt and starts yelling, my heart, my heart. And starts pulling the uh, the heart monitor off his body. Uh, this uh, scares the lunatic because I guess he only wanted to badly injure Larry, not not kill him. So yeah. all of a sudden he becomes very apologetic. He wants to help him. Uh, the, the ambulance comes and Larry tells them, "Listen, I, I was just faking it to get out of this guy hurting me, but I guess you know they're bound by procedure. They're you know they're not going to mess around. They're going to take him to the hospital." Um, as they, this is a ridiculous scene as they drive him away. I guess like, they happen to be driving right by the house of the baby shower. And it, 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 none of this makes sense. Yeah. The circuits, the baby shower could not still be going on. This is a couple days later, right? Uh, I think it's the same day. Just this later can't today, be the but... same day because he left and then he went to practice the producer, producers. And then Cheryl says that she's now at the hospital in labor. None of this makes any sense. Um. Yeah, okay. the, the, the timing of this doesn't make sense. Um, the implication, well, she's running down the street. By the way, she's holding the big stuffed animal, right? right. I, thought, I thought that wasn't even a gift for her. That was for the baby. Um, also, the implication is that she's not going to give the baby up. And so everyone responds to that by chasing her down the street, right? Yeah, I mean, this seems like a legal matter. Not, yeah, you know, we're, we're gonna, no, we're going to catch you and t- take the baby yeah. out of your belly. N- none of this makes any sense. Uh, the, the, the story of running down the street does remind me of the pig man escaping from the hospital in Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. You know, Seinfeld, the show that Larry David watches every night, apparently. Yeah. Good show, um, good show. Yeah, but so the timing of this doesn't make sense. Why everyone's chasing her doesn't make sense. Why she's holding the giant stuffed animal doesn't make sense. What day it is doesn't make sense. I don't understand what's going on here. None of this makes any sense. They just need a way to establish the fact that uh, Larry has caused problems with his uh, yeah. little speech about babies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So now uh, Larry's in the hospital mm-hmm. uh, being observed again, and he's yeah. uh, making conversation with a black nurse who he has Masasa. clearly asked about penis size again. Well, she's biracial, right. actually. Well, yeah, we learned. Yeah. That. Uh, uh, her name is Masasa. I thought she was someone famous. She looked famous to me, but I looked her up and uh, she's famous. somebody named Masasa. Who, this is her okay. most famous role. So. Oh. We had a Bonita last week and a Masasa this week. Yeah. Uh, so she tells him it's just a myth. There's really no difference. And she would know since she's half black and half white and she's seen it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry says, that's very interesting. I just bought a mulatto doll today. Mm-hmm. Well, he's okay. So now we say, he says it's today. So that implies that this is all, is all happening in one day. So I mean, imagine how busy of a day this is. Like he had, pre- what time did his, what time did his producers practice? What time was the baby shower? What's the well, earliest that, it could be? Let's say it starts at 11 a.m. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so then that's done. Wait, hold on. So he went to the doctor at nine. He went to the baby shower at eleven. He goes to his producer's child at one. His practice at one. Well, maybe he just was at the baby shower for a very short period of time. Like he just stopped by, gave the gift, talked for a few minutes, and then went to his practice at twelve. Okay. And and by now, I guess it could. Yeah, I, the 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 shower shouldn't still be going. Yeah. How long of a baby? Sh- and and again, like every single person in the shower chases the woman because I guess she announced that the shower. Yeah, it's very strange. Maybe it's like remember those. Uh, those videos online, I think like Shamara used to make. Also, them with, like, also, why would sh- they hold on? Why would they schedule a baby shower for the day when that is so close to the delivery date that the woman goes into labor? That's uh, yeah, bad that, scheduling. Remember those videos that I think Shamara used to make with like there would be like uh, you would chase someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the um, D films. <laughs> yeah, so maybe yeah. They, maybe they've been chasing her for like three hours. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they need the. And, uh, and, 
uh, that would explain sax, why Yakety Sax music. And that would explain why it makes sense that Larry's passing them because he's nowhere near the house. They've just, you know, they're somewhere else in L.A. near yeah. his where he, near the hospital or on the way on the roots of the hospital because like they've been chasing her for miles and she remains yeah. like 10 feet in front of them the whole time. I mean, full term pregnant women are known for their ability to run marathons. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Cheryl shows up at the hospital. Um, well, yeah, first, um, you know, he, he says he just bought the mulatto doll today, which he has already been told once today not to use that word, but he uses it again. And she tells him that that term is a bit outdated. But if we all keep fucking each other, then we're going to be the same race sooner or later anyway. And they all agree that we should pray for that. Yes. Uh, so Cheryl comes in and Larry tells her right away he's fine. He explains the whole thing. You know, the crazy guy in the car, he faked it. And she's angry that she came to the hospital for no reason. Yeah. And Larry's like, what the hell? You preferred that I'd be sick or injured when you came in? But she's I think like, the oh, answer no. is, I think she would because she seems very happy when she tells Larry that someone wants to kick his ass. I think uh, Cheryl wants Larry to die so she can get his money. Yeah, I mean, it's not a crazy. I mean, if I was married to Larry David, there's a decent <laughs> chance I would want him to die so he can get his money. <laughs> um, Cheryl changes the conversation back to the surrogate and wants to know, what did you say to her? Because she's in labor now and she says she changed her mind and now she wants to keep the baby and Bernie, Bernie Dusenberry wants to kick your ass. Um, yeah, so Larry is uh, frightened by this prospect. Uh, they head down the elevator with the doors open and of course the surrogate is, is right there holding the baby with the doors open. Larry so yells way, she went into labor and had the baby. So this day is like right. the longest day ever. Yeah, yeah she already had the baby. Yeah. Uh, she yells, Larry yells, you can't keep the baby. But I was just talking about a script. But yeah. the doors close and there's nothing more that he could do. Mm. By the way, not only she had the baby, but apparently they're leaving the hospital already. <laughs> um, I think California is one, one of the few states where you could like pay a surrogate. I think in most states you're not allowed to buy, pay a surrogate mm. for uh, her services. Yeah. So the person I know who did it did do it in California and did do it and got paid. I know so. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of times people will look for somebody. The person I know also found someone in California. Uh, um, OK, so Larry uh, is having lunch with uh, Richard again. He fills him in on the conversation with the nurse and how it's a myth. And Richard is very pleased and relieved that now he could go and uh, have sex with Renee. And she by the, way, the whole thing is so insane. Like if Renee is choosing to date him, then obviously she's aware of, of his ethnicity and she's well, fine with it. Well, maybe she's never slept with a white person before. Okay, but she's but she knows that he's white. She's willing to she's willing to risk it with. Uh, Richard I Lewis. think that she's you know she has she's probably aware of the fact that Richard doesn't have a very impressive penis. Yeah. Let's put it like that. Yeah, she's not like oh I'm gonna date this like guy in his sixties who's like a schlub and he's probably gonna have like an awesome penis that's gonna rock my world. That's probably not her calculation here. Um, so they uh, they go into the bathroom and who walks in? It's Muggsy Bogues, a guard, the smallest of guards. Yes. Uh, they're both very excited. They're very, you know, happy to meet him. They tell him, you know, what big fans they are. Well, Richard, Richard says one of the great guards of all time, which yes. is such a there's no way the they only he says it obviously because the context in the discussion about guards and forwards and penises. But if anything, you'd say one of the great point guards of all time. There is no one in the history of the world who has ever met Muggsy Bogues and said, hey, one of the great guards of all time until this episode. And now if I ever meet him, of course, that's what I'll say. Yeah. Where it's just, it's such you a weird nomenclature. Where does he rank on your uh, ranking of great guards of all time? <laughs> I guess I should have been prepared for that. Um, he's definitely, you know, uh, hold on. I'm ch if I'm checking on my point guard list, I'm not. I don't think he will even be on the list, but he could be on the list. Let's see. It only goes about a hundred deep. Um, 
Yeah, no matches. He is not one. Of, so I'm going to uh, dispute Richard Lewis because he is not one of the greatest uh, 100 point guards of all time. What if you do like best guard like per capita where we adjust based on height? Yeah, well, then he's probably in the top 20. Yeah, if you do like total points divided yeah. by height. He's Him and Spud Webb and yeah, Nate Robinson. Yeah. Um, so Muggsy uh, goes over to pee and they're both they both uh, sneak a peek of his penis as he's peeing, which he uh, notices. He freaks out. He starts moving towards Larry. He's, he's, he's also about, very well endowed, clearly. Uh, that's the implication. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he looks like he's about to punch Larry when Larry pulls the fake heart, heart attack move again, starts pulling the cords out, starts yelling about his heart. And Muggsy, of course, gets very afraid because also like the other guy has no problem punching him in the face, but doesn't want to seriously injure him. Yeah. Um, so now we're back in the hospital. Uh, Larry parks his car. He's heading on in when he passes a black guy and he immediately turns to click the power lock. The black guy hears the click and he assumes he did it because he's worried that this black guy is going to steal his car. Of course, Wanda is there waiting again to bust Larry in the act. Black man in a suit parks cars. Black man, no suit, going to steal your car. Larry explains, of course, it was just a coincidence and she insults his car as if any black man would want that car anyway. Yeah. Uh, she then asks about the script and what's going on. He says, sorry, the guy didn't really like it. And she wonders, well, did you tell him that I was black? And he says, no, of course I didn't tell him that you were black. And she can't believe that Larry doesn't know what to play the race card, that white guys get off on being liberal and helping black people. Larry says, fine, fine. I'll tell the guy that you're black. He clarifies, make sure you tell him I'm a brown-skinned black person, not a light-skinned. Make sure he knows I'm a real black person. Yeah. Um, and Larry says, okay, noted. Uh, he goes on in. He sees that now they have a golf magazine. He's reading it. He's working on his stroke. He compliments the receptionist on the improved magazine collection. Um, He goes on in to see the doctor and he's doing the test. This time when Renee comes in, he looks away so that her attractiveness doesn't cause a spike in his heart rate. But when she says Bernie Duesenberry changed his appointment and he'll be here in 10 minutes, Larry, Larry starts to get scared and his heart rate starts to accelerate again. And we have a similar problem. Um, it's first of all, I think it's a HIPAA violation for Renee to be telling the doctor in front of Larry that Brian, uh, that Bernie Duesenberry is coming in, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah. although I mean, uh, you know, he'll see him and like, you know, when you go to the doctor, like you could see the names in the book. That, oh, you know, well, that's there. why they're not supposed to have the book there and they don't, right? Which Larry objected to in season one. And then, of course, the other thing is, is Larry afraid that, that Bernie is going to beat him up in the doctor's office in front of everybody? Um, I would be. He just caused this woman to take the baby away. Yeah, I mean, if the guy's gonna beat him up, he's gonna beat him up. Like, I don't think he's, you know, I, I, or, or at least this guy's gonna like threat Larry and and yell at him and make it uncomfortable for him. Um, he's understandably very angry at Larry. Um, so we head back home and we are watching Seinfeld again. This time, the Pez dispenser episode. Cheryl tells him, by the way, the surrogate changed her mind and she decided she's going to give away the baby. I guess 24 hours with the baby is what convinced her, is what you would have to guess. She says, oh, I see. this. I don't want this. Uh, Larry says, I also have good news. My penis is healed, and as soon as I can ditch this heart monitor, I'm back in business. The phone rings as the episode ends, and they assume it's Marilyn again, but it turns out it's Irv Schwimmer calling with a lovely message, and the episode ends as we hear him saying, you motherfucking cocksucking son of a bitch bastard, who the fuck do you think you are, you bald son of a... Yep. Uh, I think it's a really strong ending, right? Like, the first time you've seen the episode, you've completely forgotten about Larry's voicemail to Mr. Schwimmer. 
So the final scene is is a great surprise, I think. Yes. Yes, especially uh, since they it, we ex, we're, we we're on board with who you expected to believe based on the structure of the episode. Yeah, they set it up so nicely that, with the Maryland opening, which otherwise until the end the Maryland opening seems completely pointless. Correct. So it's it's that's a, a good structural thing they do where it's uh it subverts your expectation. Yeah. So out of appreciation for how the episode ties together, I will say that it was pretty, 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 pretty good. I'll give it three and a half. All right. I'm going to go uh, a notch above you. I'll give it pretty, 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 pretty good for pretties out of five. Um, I think again, I agree with you. The end is very good. Um, the conversation with the surrogate, I, I, you said it was a little bit on the nose, but just like the concept, I think is very well executed overall. Um, and the, I, I cracked up every time he, he pulled the fake heart attack trick. It's just, <laughs> it's a great trick. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a very strong episode. Who, who is your come with guy? Um, I'm going to go with a come with gal and I'm going to go with Renee because oh, wow. she's wonderful and attractive and, uh, everyone's trying to figure out the best way to sleep with her. And she causes Larry's uh, heart rate to accelerate. Yeah, I was also going to go with Renee. I thought I was going to be alone here. I'm surprised we agree. Uh, played by Garcelle Beauvoir. Yeah, as I said earlier, she may be the most beautiful person on the show yet. Anyone who can cause a heart condition merely by walking into a room uh, deserves to be uh, called the come with gal, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your worst person? Uh, my worst person is Marilyn because she calls them every single night to talk about <laughs> the Seinfeld episode that she just watched. That's from 10 years ago. Is Marilyn the one whose husband died who had the same shirt as Larry? Um, I don't think so. I think I think this is a new person. OK, yeah. So my worst person right. is I'm going to you know, we don't love to do this, but I'm going to go with Larry David. Uh, he keeps making racist jokes. At a certain point, it starts to get a bit awkward. And I think we're well past that point. So um LD, you got to stop making the racist jokes. Although I do appreciate the fact that he got a gift for the surrogate. I thought that was very nice of him. But yeah, I'm going to give it to LD. Not, not a lot of obvious candidates in this week's episode. Yeah, I mean, being told like an hour ago that mulatto is not an appropriate term and then using that word in front of a person of a different race is just, you know, I, that's amateur hour. Like, yeah, I, well, he just wanted to test it out, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's like if there's anyone that's going to be offended by it, it's going to be her. Well, but he had used it three times because he uses it in the store where Melissa McCarthy corrects him. Then he uses it in the party where he gets corrected again. Yeah. So uh, it, t- it takes three times to get through. The I, layer, guess, I guess. Yeah. He's uh, he doesn't like this new PC culture. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, Melissa McCarthy, not a celebrity yet. Muggsy Bogues is. But, uh, you know, he's not as big uh, in any way as Shaq, uh, either in uh, physical size or, or celebrity, I don't think. So is it time for the postman? Uh, postman! Uh, postman! Uh, come here! here Tell the neighborhood! All right, let's see what we got. We have two emails this week. First is from Zach Brooks. He says, hey, guys, it's Zach Brooks. And I just want to say, hey, you fucking asshole. What is your problem? <laughs> anyway, two great episodes in a row. The carpool lane. I'm in agreement with Av and not Olin. 4.5. Hope Uncle, hope Uncle Mel Brooks stopped touching his face so much. 4.5 on this episode as well. Ties together so well. But no way is a cardiologist thinking of a medical condition when you get aroused or nervous. Yeah, I like he should, like the, the doctor should understand what's happening. Like. Like there was just like a little blip for 10 seconds and then he was fine the rest of the time. And well, this is a very bad doctor. I think we can agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess we could just chalk it up to that. Um, and then our second and final email is from Olin Allen. He says an episode I absolutely loved 
though could see if it wasn't in the frame of mind. The logical side may have found the number of big coincidences to be far too much, but it was just a superbly paced and funny episode, particularly the initial reveal of Wanda, who just appears from nowhere as the not a valet driver walks away was magnificent. It also had a moment that I felt was just for me with Mel Brooks' magnificent impersonation of Victor McLaughlin from the very dated but still quite wonderful The Informer. Uh, was a great impression, along with the Walter Brennan gag a few weeks ago that back that floored me. It seems like mentions of 30s and 40s character actors and Curb is my sweet spot. I also enjoyed the old silent film style when Larry saw the surrogate running away. Uh, for the yeah, I said gal, they should have had yakety sax music there. Uh, yeah. Uh, for the come with gal, he says the nurse for happily giving out information about her sexual encounters. And for the villain of the week, he says everyone at the party except for Larry who didn't get a present for the surrogate. Yeah, and he gets again, and I, a, I, I agree here. I think that if you're going to bring her to the party, at least the Duesenberry should have had something for her. Yeah, um, and he will give it a 4.5 pretties out of 5 as well. Mm. Okay. Next week, uh, do we have any more mailbags? That is all. Okay, next week we uh, meet Wandering Bear. A um, Cheryl will get medical treatment from an uh, unusual source, and a video purchase will uh, endanger Lair's relationship with his assistant. All so, right. I'm yes, excited for that. Yes, very dated episode in that regard as well. Uh, Larry uh, and uh, Jeff, not, not aware of the internet, I guess. Well, no, of course. Yeah. You know, if you want to uh, find any kind of video, I think that the internet is a... As sources go. Yes. <laughs> that works better. Pretty, 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 pretty good.